Hey everybody, this is Ray Telch. This is episode 67 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Hope everyone is having a great week out there. Hard to believe that we are already... Uh, three months through the year that I'm recording this on the evening of the 31st of March. So this will come out on April 1st. Uh, probably if I'd been thinking ahead, I would have recorded some sort of uh, April Fool's Day show, since that seems to be the day that I'm releasing this. But uh, didn't think about that. So you're getting a regular episode, which tends to go over better with long-term listeners anyway. Uh, I'm not pulling any pranks. Uh, and we are looking at a great movie this week. Um, my guest this week is Brian Doucette, who picked The Karate Kid, the original 1984 version of the movie. And uh, it has a, a very special connection for, for Brian, as we get into very early on in the episode. And it, as well for me. I mean, it's it's one of those uh, iconic movies of my youth that I have not revisited in quite some time. So it was a, quite a pleasure to be able to go back and check it out, especially since it has a little more cultural relevance now now with Cobra Kai, which uh, we talk about a little bit in the episode, but I have not seen it yet. I still have not seen it yet, even though we recorded this a couple of weeks ago, um, because my calendar's full of trying to catch up on, uh, on on Oscar nominees right now. So once once the Oscar buzz dies down, then maybe I can get to Cobra Kai, which I really need to check out, especially after having revisited The Karate Kid, the original uh, so recently. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. We're going to get right into it uh, with a great conversation between myself and guest Brian Doucette as we discuss 1984's The Karate Kid. So I, I normally save self-promotion to the end and kind of the opening is just supposed to be like a, a dialogue and a conversation and, and some context for the listeners. But there's mm-hmm. there's an important piece of context that I think listeners need to know before we get into the movie, which is your podcast, because that relates to the movie you picked uh, picked up on. So you have a, a, a history with martial arts. I do, and it's actually, I mean, I shouldn't say because of The Karate Kid, but that was such a massive part of it. And um, yeah, yeah, I actually host a, I host multiple podcasts, but my, the, my newest one and the one I'm kind of trying to get out there right now that literally just launched about a week before we're recording this, it's called Everyday Martial Artist. Um, I actually have the website everydaymartialartist.com, which they can do. Otherwise, it's on, as far as I know right now, it's on every podcast app. It wasn't on Pandora last time I checked yet. That's still pending. (laughs) (laughs) So you have a love of martial arts, obviously. Oh, yes. Yeah. Most most of my life. Yeah. No, it's it's, uh, started when I was a kid, but it was something I never thought um, I could do. You know, I, I grew up watching it. I was never like an athletic kid, but I grew up watching it. I grew up watching Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee and kung fu and all those shows and never thought it was something i can do and and that all changed on june 19th 1984 me and some friends decided to go to opening night of a a new movie in our hometown theater small town of little falls minnesota you know theater back then hold held maybe five six hundred people and it was sold out and uh watched this new movie called the karate kid we had heard about like this is gonna be awesome martial arts movie and and as we were watching walking out of the movie theater um, there was two gentlemen outside the door handing out these little yellow cards and we grabbed the card and it's like one free month of more, of karate lessons. We're like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was kind of, you know, watching the movie and watching this kind of underdog kid, you know, become a martial artist and, and beat the bullies and stuff. And then suddenly walking out and getting, 
you know, free lessons were like, we're going. So it was like, I think it was that movie was on a Friday and that Monday night went to my first martial arts lesson. So, and did you stick with it with that one? Not as long as I wanted to, unfortunately, at that point in my life, my parents couldn't afford it. I, I think I ended up sticking with it about a year. Um, and, and they couldn't afford it. I was in, uh, let's see, it was 1984. So I'd have been 10 years old. So it was like fourth or fifth grade. And like I said, they, they couldn't afford it and, and had to stop going. I, I don't think they realized how serious I was about it. And, and over the, <laughs> oh, yeah, over the next few years, I just, I spent a lot of time researching it. I rented any movie I could. Obviously, if you, if you know much about the eighties, there was like a martial arts boom. I mean, yes. you know, <laughs> Steven Seagal and Chuck Norris and Van Damme and all these, I watched a ton of movies. I went to our local library and just did a whole bunch of research on, on different martial arts and stuff. And, and was supposed to, my plan was I was going to get a job. And the day I turned 16 and got my driver's license, I was going to start driving about 30 miles away. It turned out I, after doing research, I wanted to try a different style than the one I was originally in. My first style was the Korean art of Tung Sudo. And I found out that there was a school 30 miles away that taught the Japanese art of Shotokan, which I wanted to learn. And so I planned it on my 16th birthday. I was going to get my license and go to my first class that night. And the day before my 16th birthday, I blew my knee out in gym class. So oh, no. <laughs> ended up having to wait almost a year to start martial arts up again. So <laughs> it was kind of, I mean, first of all, to take a driver's license away from a kid for almost six months right before he's going to get it and then not be able to do martial arts for another almost year and having to wear a knee brace and stuff. And But yeah, yeah. Then I ended up, ended up doing that for through high school so about a little year year and a half and then when i moved away to college is when i really got serious about it and actually started training in traditional taekwondo um, not the sport stuff that a lot of people i mean we have a sport aspect but ours was very traditional the, the right. grand the grandmaster of our style was traditional korean who was actually korean special forces in the in the, in the war and and taught the same way he learned in the military and stuff and i've actually been with uh, my same instructor in that style since 1994 now so Wow. Mixed in other styles throughout there. I I did Aikido for about a year. I moved to California and trained in the art of American Kenpo uh, for a year. I did judo for a summer. I did boxing. Um, I did boxing. If, if anyone's a boxing fan, I actually did boxing with the, the same gentleman who was Virgil Hill's first trainer. If you're a boxing fan, you probably know the name Virgil Hill. Um, and, and throughout there, I've done you know seminars and trainings. I've done jujitsu. I've done a lot of other things like that. But the traditional Taekwondo has always kind of been my core system you know, since about 1992, and then with my current instructor since 94. So what belt are you? And the proper answer, answer here is canvas, by the way. <laughs> That's right, JCPenney 398. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. No, I am, I am a black belt. Yes, correct. Um, it's uh, not as high of a ranking black belt as I wish. I've had lots of... Obviously, life gets no way I'm married. I have three kids. Um, injuries, my knee, I never did actually get it repaired. That's a whole other story. The doctor told me I could never do martial arts until I got my knee completely rebuilt, and I still haven't had that done. Um, <laughs> well, you I, showed him. <laughs> I know. I like I like proving people wrong, obviously. So it's, uh, yeah, but uh, it's, it's, I initially tested for my black belt in November of 1996, and then, um, Long story short, lots of things happened within there, and I finally actually got my black belt in uh, January of 2007. <laughs> so, wow! So a whole other story. I went through a lot of a lot of stuff and whatnot, and almost opened my, my own school multiple times, and life kept getting in the way and everything. But I, you know, I I still go to the gym whenever possible. Yeah, like I said, I'm not going six, seven nights a week like I did when I was younger. Obviously, and training four, five, six hours a day, and 
and all my kids have done it. All my kids are junior black belts and none, nice. of, none of them have gone for their adult black belt yet. My mom actually is a black belt, uh, which was <laughs> kind of cool. She, I tried talking her into joining for years and she never would. She thought she was too old and, and we were doing a karate demonstration at a fair or martial arts demonstration at a fair and invited her to come watch for the specific reason, because one of our students that was doing the demonstration was, I think she was 72 or 73 and she was a red belt. And my mom watched her out there and she joined the next day and she ended up getting her black belt too. So it was nice. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. She got her, she started in her forties and got her black belt. Yeah. I I'm kind of along the same way as you, the first part of your story, which was, you know, having, having seen this movie when I was a kid, I didn't see it in the theater that I can recall. I think I saw it on VHS. Oh, um, nice. and I did end up going, taking karate lessons, um, that were at a local school, and I probably did that for four or five months, and then I, I don't know if it's family couldn't afford it or just schedules weren't working out because we had ridiculously cross scheduling issues throughout most of my teenage years. Um, but I, I didn't pursue it, and I've always loved the movie. Uh, and then when my son was three or four, he had a play group of friends that w- would hang out, and he found out through that that one of his friends was doing karate, and I took him. Uh, as a lark just to see, you know, how he would like it. And uh, he's now, he just turned 12 and has been sticking with it. Nice. Um, so he's been doing it since he was like three or four. Um, and I'm, I'm very proud of the achievements that he's done. And then when my life kind of turned upside down and I, my, uh, my marriage fell apart and that kind of stuff, and I ended up having some extra time, I started going to the adult classes taught by the same teacher. Uh, it's Wei Chi style. Okay. And um, it's hard. like it's easy to sit there and watch your son do it and and coach from the sidelines as Mm -hmm. far as like when we would come home and he needed to practice and i'd correct him on stuff that i saw the teacher pointing out and stuff but then when you're doing it yourself uh it was a completely different experience for me so i i leveled up one belt level uh and then things changed and i just didn't have time for the class but i i actually just talked with the teacher last week about maybe coming back later this year when my, when my situation changes. So I, it may, I it may be do. something I do. It's, it's hard. I mean, it's, and I'm in my forties. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it's the fact that you just told that story about your mom kind of is a little inspirational for me, but like I was watching this movie and like when Miyagi is pushing on balance and the key of balance, I have a bad ankle. And so, mm-hmm. like, when we're doing balance exercises, when I'm standing on my right leg, everything's fine. And the second I move to my left leg, leg I'm wibbly-wobbly all over the place. Yeah. Um, so it's hard. It's, yeah, it's, it's very challenging. <laughs> and th- things, that, things that are rewarding are, are supposed to be hard. That's the thing. I mean, it's like you said, it does look easy. I mean, obviously, with me, with my kids, it's a little easier because I had already been going through it for so long. You know, I, I didn't start at the age of five like all my kids did. And, you know, I didn't start till I was 10 and then took a, a big break. But, you know, with me, with that, with kids in class, it was a little easier for me coming home and I get, get them to practice at home. I'm like, well, if you don't listen, you get push-ups. I am a black belt. You know, <laughs> so, <laughs> that was always nice. And, 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 you know, one thing I, you know, it's, I always jokingly tell people Mr. Miyagi was my first instructor, you know, obviously because of that movie. But, you know, it's, that, that's the one thing that's important. You have to find an instructor that, that, kind of blends with you it, it it has to be a right fitting it can't just be the style you want it has to be the great instructor and on, on my podcast that's one question i ask all my guests is some tips you give people if you're trying to find the right school and it's it's i encourage people go visit if there's 20 schools in your town go visit every one of them go watch a class if they offer a free week take a free week at every one find where you fit in best because it's yeah you know 
there's, I mean, unfortunately, there are instructors out there like John Kreese. There really are. I, I've seen them. I've trained with them. Um, it's I've my first actually instructor in traditional Taekwondo was just he, he was like that. I mean, I com- oh, I compared God. him. He all he cared about was tournaments and competition and and didn't care if students got hurt and stuff. It was it was horrible. And I almost gave up martial arts because of him completely. I was ready to just quit. And, and to the point where I hated it. And luckily, one of our students said, I think you should go check out this other guy. I, I really think you'll enjoy him. And luckily, I did. So, I mean, but, you know, one thing, our instru- I mean, my instructor is so good with kids. It's it's so amazing just yeah. to watch him with kids. It's because that's that's not easy to do. And I've taught kids classes before. And, you know, I'm, I'm nowhere at, near at his level. But one, one cool thing he does that most of the parents appreciate when it's getting close to testing time, he'll send a slip home. And the parent has to sign it that says, my kid has been respectful at home. My kid has been doing well in school. If either one of those doesn't know, they Ooh, don't get to test. That's and, awesome. Yeah. And he, he's jokingly said, he said, I thought about doing it in the adult class and sending it home to the spouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, and that's where my son's uh, teacher and I initially hit it off is, you know, teaching karate was not his main job. He was a special education teacher and I was an English teacher. We were at different schools, but we hit it off as colleagues, you know, both recognizing the importance of education and such. And I I really feel like everything he learned as far as special education, he brought into his karate classroom, or maybe it's what he learned in his karate classroom. He took into the school. I don't know, but yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, he's great with kids and and with adults. Yeah. And it takes a like I said, it takes a special person. You got to have that patience is more so with kids. And my instructor teaches a special needs class, which I've, I've helped with it. And the, the, the amount of, of just patience and understanding that takes is just crazy. I mean, I, he does that two, two nights a week, a special needs class under 18 kids. And I remember the first time I helped with that and, and saw one of the special needs kids get their black belt when he actually broke a brick with his forearm. And, oh, you know, normally when you, when you, break a brick or break a board you know it's you're not you don't get to jump up and down you know you thank you sir you bow it's respectful and this kid just let off a hoot and a holler and started pumping his arm and, and my instructor had the biggest smile on his face <laughs> it's like <laughs> no, normally he would have probably given someone push-ups for that but he, he couldn't stop smiling because of how the, how happy this kid was that he got his black belt so it's right. and he and he doesn't you know with, with that class he doesn't differentiate they they do for the mo- most part the same techniques a regular adult class does or a regular kids class it's they don't make it easier for them so it's, yeah. it's kind of cool well let's get into the movie itself uh, if you haven't been able to tell we are talking this week about the karate kid the original from 1984 written by robert mark Kamen, directed by john g avildsen starring ralph macchio pat morita elizabeth shue martin cove and william zabka this is it this is the end of the line telling me can I tell you about the pool here? For Daniel LaRusso... Is this the only pool you guys got? The future seemed far from terrific. This place is a dump. You should go back to New Jersey. Hey, I know it's hard, but... We're not quitters, are we? Until Hi. he met the hey, right I girl. She's beautiful. I say she's beautiful. I think she's beautiful. Is <laughs> that your address? You got it. But that only angered the wrong guy. Uh, 930, definitely. You gotta be nuts. And his troubles really began. Hey. Then, in one man, he found a teacher. I promise teach karate. And a friend. Fighting always last answer. How did you do that? Don't know. First time. 
I, I don't even know that this is a valid question, but it's always the first one I ask after I introduce the movie, which is how do you describe this movie to someone who has not seen it? And I, I feel like the karate kid is so much in the cultural zeitgeist ever since it originally came to be that I almost, I don't know that you would have to, but if you were in that position, how would you sell this movie to someone? How would you describe it to someone who has not seen it? Well, what's funny is I think if you were to ask that question three years ago, you'd probably get a completely different answer. Kind of before Cobra Kai came out, there was actually a lot of people who hadn't seen it still. I was surprised when I'd meet people, I've never seen that. Like, how can you be my age and not have seen The Karate Kid? I mean, seriously. And, and now with with that coming out, so many people have gone back and rewatched it. And I tell you, if you've if you've watched Cobra Kai and haven't rewatched the Karate Kid at the, around the same time, go back and do it because you miss so much stuff in there. There's so many little <laughs> e- Easter eggs that are in that show that the, that that first, second, and third movie will show you so much. But I mean, to me, it's it kind of like you know I, I've seen the same question asked uh, to Ralph Macchio on in interviews too, and kind of the same thing. It's kind of like the Rocky story. It's the underdog story. You know, it's 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 about a a kid who moves to a new town and doesn't think he fits in and starts getting bullied, you know, quite a bit by a group of, you know, karate and students who are learning martial arts the wrong way. And he just by happenstance finds someone who knows the right way and decides to take him under his wing and teach him. And it's, it's like I said, it's that, it's that true underdog story. And it, it kind of makes you think that, you know, you don't have to be a, a star athlete to, to join martial arts. And it's, it gives a new, I mean, obviously it's one of the, you know, a lot of 80s movies don't hold up, but that yeah. one still does. I mean, like I told you before we started recording, I watch it at least once or twice a year. It's it's one of my all-time favorite movies. I have a, probably about five or six movies that I just continually watch and never get sick of. My kids, you know, my kids are, uh, you know, 14, 17, and 21. They all have the same thing. They'll watch, if they see me watching it, they'll sit down and watch it with me. <laughs> you know, they, they, my, my kids love 80s movies. So they, they know that's when the best movies were made. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my biggest regret with, with you picking this movie. I was trying to time it out so that I could watch the movie with my son because I've never shown it to him yet. Oh, and wow. again, he's been doing karate for so long. I really thought he'd appreciate it. And I just didn't manage to time it out. So I still don't know how my son's going to respond to this movie. But having rewatched it, I feel even more the need to expose him to it now. <laughs> oh, and it, it is. It's 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 an important it's an important lesson. It's an important story. And like I was saying, there's so many people out there who do it for the wrong reason, and there are. And it's it's as Mr. Miyagi said, no such thing as a bad student, only a bad instructor. And it's yeah, it's true. There there are some out there that just do it for the wrong reasons and only care about certain things, only do it for the money, only do it for the competition. And it's, you know, that, that whole generation of kids that grew up with Mr. Miyagi's philosophies and the reasons for doing things, you know, karate here, karate here, karate never here. You know, it's not about the belt. It's about the quality, not the quantity and things like that. It's, it's, it's just, it's an important movie. I mean, I know so many people who don't even like martial arts that love that movie too. So it's, it's well, and that may almost answer my my next question, which was I was a little surprised because you told me about your your martial arts podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little surprised that you picked the Karate Kid, um, because there's so many martial arts films out there, uh, a lot of which many people, including myself, have never seen. So for you to pick The Karate Kid, which is, as I said, it's a little more in the zeitgeist. I think people who haven't even seen it know, you know, wax on, wax off, and (laughs) sweep the leg, and the the crane kick. So why why this movie? Why is this the one you picked to talk about? The main reason for me is just because it's it's the one that really got me started. If I went to have gone to the movie that night, I might have never joined a martial arts class. I mean, who knows? If I went to join it when I was 
you know, 10 and you know, done it for a year, I might've never gone back and done it when I was six, 16 or 17, realized how much I enjoyed it. I, I might've completely, you know, cause I had, I had other interests at the time too. <laughs> so I was really, <laughs> you know, other than that, I was really into computers. That's actually one of the other movies I thought about picking was War Games. So who knows? Maybe that'll be a maybe that'll be a future episode. Who knows? But uh, that you know that, that was a for for those years I didn't do karate and didn't do martial arts from about you know fifth grade on till about my junior high school. That was a huge part of my life was computers. And I you know other than like reading and watching movies, I didn't do much with martial arts at all. So it's if it wasn't for this movie i honestly don't know if i'd be where i am today i mean yeah there's so many other good ones i mean i i could have picked up you know the the perfect weapon with jeff speakman i guarantee that's one not many people have seen it's it's nope. the re- it's the reason i found out about american kempo karate it's the whole reason i moved to california for a year to train in that style because i saw that movie and saw how cool that art was you know there's so yeah there's i, I could have probably picked 20 30 other ones that i know people there's a a great movie from about 10 12 15 years ago called i think it's called the sensei um with a lady who stars in it who's that she's actually in um the mandalorian but uh, diana lee Inosanto. uh her father um was one of bruce lee's good friends and stuff and mm. was a was actually brandon's godfather i believe <laughs> so so yeah she it's a movie she wrote and directed and starred in herself and stuff and it was kind of kind of on the same level with karate kid but you know kid getting bullied for different reasons um and she decides to train them and stuff so you know there's there's other ones like that and there's other movies i could have picked but th- this one it's always you know when people ask me what got me into martial arts it's the first thing i say it, it's always the karate kid that's where it came from that's why i was so happy when they when cobra kai came out too so i mean because like i said i already watched them once a year once or twice a year anyway all all three of the original movies uh, not so much that fourth one that people don't talk about but <laughs> <laughs> but but the original one has always been my favorite i love the second one uh, third one is a little more on the cheesy side with you know karate's bad boy mike barnes and everything and who I would not be surprised if he shows up in the next season of Cobra Kai with Terry Silver, but well, well, that's, that's, that's my, my hope on that one. But it's just, it always comes back to that movie. That it's the, such an important part of why and how I got involved in martial arts. Well, and, and this did spawn quite the franchise that I, I don't think, I mean, this was when franchises weren't really a thing. I mean, I, I, I guess they kind of were because this is, you know, this is the director of Rocky, um, the, the song that everybody remembers from this soundtrack, which is, you know, you're the best. Joe Esposito. Um, it's one of my that, ringtones. <laughs> that was written for Rocky too. So there, there were franchises around, but I don't think anybody expected this to kick off what it has. And, and I kind of got lost by the wayside along the way. I I've seen, you know, obviously I've seen the first one, even if I had never seen it before, I'd have seen it now to talk with you about it. Um, I love the second one. Mm-hmm. I think taking it, taking it to Okinawa was such a great idea and then that's it i don't remember ever seeing the third one i know really? i've seen scenes of the the fourth ones with hillary swank right yeah correct yeah I, i've seen yep. parts of that one but i'm like when it was on cable and i was flipping channels or something but i've never sat down and watched it in its completion and i have yet to watch cobra kai yet oh, wow. um it's been on my radar ever since it hit you know, when, when it first came out, it came out to YouTube premium and I was yep. not going to pay extra for another streaming service. So I didn't check it out. And then it came to Netflix in the last year and it's like, now it's just, what's your excuse? And I don't have one. I just haven't <laughs> pulled the trigger on watching it yet. But um, especially having now rewatched this for today, like yeah. now I have no excuse not to get back into it. But you should, you should, like, like I tell other people, you should try, if you have time, also watch Karate Kid 2 and 3 before you watch it. Because there is stuff in each of the seasons, there's stuff from each of those movies 
that you'll pick okay. up on if they're as, as long as they're fresh in your memory they will so it, and well I, as i said i love the second one it, like and if i'd had more time i would have done uh more of the movies and gotten into cobra kai before talking with you about it but it just it just didn't play out that way I, i'm surprised uh, how well i enjoyed cobra kai I, mean, I, I read the idea and i thought it was cool I'm like, oh, it's being done by YouTube. It'll never do well. And, and it, it, that first episode, I'm like, holy crap! And I'm 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 binging this thing. <laughs> and, and I so I've actually watched all the seasons three times now. <laughs> so well, and I've heard it's fantastic. So oh, it is. It's so. I mean, it's it's got some cheese to it, but it's it's definitely a throwback to the '80s. It's got that '80s vibe, even though it takes place today. It's got that '80s vibe, and William Zapka is phenomenal. I mean. Technically, he's kind of the star of it on this one, and and he right. does such a good job in it. It's I, I was very very happy the way they did it and the way the writers did, and I'm I'm so excited for the next season already. <laughs> well, and my and my counterpoint to you saying before Cobra Kai, you think you would have had a, a more people who hadn't seen it, and I, I I almost disagree with that. You're probably right. I mean, you're almost certainly right, but it's still been in the cultural zeitgeist. I mean, oh yes, you have the the How I Met Your Mother. Uh, the the Barney view on this, which is that Johnny is the hero and that he's the Karate Kid yep. and that Daniel LaRusso is the villain. And rewatching it today, there were definitely moments where it's like, yeah, LaRusso is kind of a shit at times. And that's kind um, of kind of the the take that Cobra Kai takes on it, right? It, right, because it's, it's from Johnny's point of view, which is and it's kind of funny, you know. One, of, I don't want to blow the whole show for you, but there's one scene where he's talking to his new student. And he's like, yeah, this kid who was just just picked on me in in school and was he made it sound like Daniel was bullying him and moved in and stole his girlfriend and stuff. And it's kind of funny just hearing him say that. It's like, yeah, I could kind of see it. I mean, obviously it's BS, but I can kind of see how it how he would see it that way. <laughs> well, Daniel does. He is quick to jump to violence, especially early in the movie. Like when yep. they meet on the beach, he he didn't need to get involved with the conversation between Johnny and Allie. And, yep. and of course, the audience we see. Yeah, Johnny is is trash here. Johnny is a jerk. Yep. Um, but Daniel did kind of escalate the situation, and then like he has the the soccer practice or the soccer tryouts, and somebody fouls him, and he immediately starts throwing punches, and it's like yep. that that you're not the good guy if that's your reaction. That's kind of just a, a short fused way to deal with it. And then of course when they ha- they ha- they hadn't laid their, laid their hands on him in probably a few weeks, and then he does the. You know, the Halloween dance with the hose <laughs> over the right. bathroom stall and <laughs> I mean, yeah. that part. Yeah. And when John and when they catch up to him by the fence and they start beating him up and Johnny's like, you couldn't leave well enough alone, could you punk? And he you know, punches him. Obviously, it's, uh, maybe he should have left well enough alone. But it, uh, obviously, it's you know for a reason, you know, so Mr. Miyagi could come to his rescue and suddenly he'd realize, hey, this guy knows karate and maybe he, where's Spider-Man? Where's the guy who saved me? So, I mean, I see why they did it. But yeah, he some of that he did bring on himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and even later in the film, when he and Allie have had some issues and he finally, you know, he gets the good guidance from Mr. Miyagi and, and goes to, to hunt her down at the arcade. And even in that scene, he comes off as a, as a total tool. Oh, he was a dick in that, that first, like, minute of that scene. I'm like, dude, why, why are you he going? He's going to get balance with her. And he's like, you know, can't handle the truth. You know, <laughs> like, OK, <laughs> kind of a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's so I can kind of see that argument, but then not only the 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 how I met your mother, but like Community did an episode That's where right. they did a stage version of this, and mm-hmm. I I got to tell you when I saw that episode of Community, there was a part of me that kind of even though it is an an Asian man playing the role because it's Senior Chang, um, Ken Jeong playing this <clears throat> role, 
I, yeah. I was like, suddenly he's moved to this staggered English and accent, and I was like, that's kind of a racist take on it. But if <laughs> you think about it, that is being very true to the original film, because Pat Morita spoke fluent English. He did yep. not speak broken English at all. So the characterization that he puts forth in this film is that same level uh, that they're doing in that episode of Community. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Because I mean, you look back, look at him back on Happy Days and everything. And I mean, he, he spoke very well English. And yeah, yeah. he was a stand-up comedian. <laughs> oh, he's hilarious. I remember seeing some of his stand-up, you know, before I saw Karate Kid, and of course, kind of forgot about it. And then I start. I'm like, that's that comedian guy. <laughs> See, I was the other way around. I just knew him as Mr. Miyagi, and then like I would catch re reruns of Happy Days and be like, oh, dude, it's Mr. Miyagi. And then I saw one of his stand-up sets, and I was like, holy cow, this is the same dude? <laughs> yeah. oh, he's hilarious. And he was actually in a serious show. He was in, um, there was a show that came out, I want to say early 90s, that only lasted one or two seasons called O'Hara. I suddenly remember that. Yeah. Yes. I want to say he played like a detective or something like that. And that was a really cool show. And I kind of wish it would have lasted. He was a great actor anyway. He's was so good in anything he did. But obviously, he'll always be remembered as Mr. Miyagi. That's the iconic role. I mean, I think that you know, even surpassed Happy Days by the time they made the third movie. So Now, I, I have to ask, since you brought up uh, Marita being in a TV show, did you see Martin Cove's short-lived TV show? Well, which one? He was on Cagney and Lacey. He did a short-lived sci-fi series called Hard Time on Planet Earth, where he no. was an interstellar, I, th I want to say he was like a bounty hunter who was then convicted of a crime, but or maybe he was just a criminal who was convicted of a crime, but he was sentenced to uh, a prison sentence on planet Earth. He had to take human form, and he had to just kind of learn humanity by being here on this planet. Wow, no, that I'll have to look that up now and watch it. <laughs> Sounds interesting. It, it's goofy, but it really made me like uh, Martin Cove, you know, because his character in the Karate Kid movies, you, there's nothing, there's nothing there to like. Yeah. But I really liked him on that TV show. It was like, here's, here's something I can appreciate the actor for when I can't appreciate him. I mean, he, he has said people come up to him and tell him, I love to hate you. And that's that's certainly <laughs> what he does in the Karate Kid movies. Yep. Oh, like I said, when I talk about, you know, the, the one instructor I had who was just, in my opinion, pure evil. I'm like, oh, he's just like the guy in the Karate Kid. And everyone kind of, they know right when you're talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, yeah, he's a dick. No one liked him. And if I remember, like I said, I never, I never watched Cagney and Lacey a lot. My mom loved that show. But I seem to remember his character was kind of a jerk in that one, too, if I remember. I should go back and watch a few episodes and see. But I know he played one of the detectives on there. And Was he a regular? I think so. I think oh, he was a regular okay. on the show, yeah. I guess I didn't, I didn't watch it much. If I happened to be home and my mom was watching, I probably sat down and watched it with her. But it wasn't one of the shows where, I mean, I wouldn't miss it. But, I mean, there's, you know, if it's a... If there had been martial arts, then I probably would have watched it more often. Because <laughs> any any show that comes out that has to do with martial arts, I will watch it at least. Give it a shot, and there's you know some off the wall ones and some ones that people have never heard of, and and yeah, so TV shows, movies. If it has to do with martial arts, I'll, I'll, I'll at least give it. A shot. I even I even watched Roadhouse Two, and most people are like, there was a Roadhouse Two. <laughs> yes, there was. <laughs> I only watched it once because obviously you know it, it was horrible. <laughs> But it's like, it's Roadhouse. It has to have martial arts. And like, oh, that was so bad. <laughs> it's, like, it's like 87 minutes of my life I'll never get back. <laughs> Let's take a look at the critical side of things, and then we can actually 
get focused maybe on the movie. <laughs> We're going all over the place. Um, it sits at 89% at Rotten Tomatoes, which tells us the critics really liked it, but it only sits at 60% at Metacritic, which tells us that kind of critics have gone downhill on it a bit since it first came out. Uh, I always bring in a positive and a negative review, mm-hmm. uh, hopefully to give us some things to talk about. And the positive review comes from Roger Ebert. I almost always try to use an Ebert re- review. Nice. Uh, and he was very positive about this movie. He said, the movie really belongs to Pat Morita, an actor who has been around a long time. He was Arnold on Happy Days, without ever having a role anywhere near this good. Morita makes Miyagi into an example of applied serenity. In a couple of scenes where he has to face down a hostile karate coach, Miyagi's words are so carefully chosen, they don't give the other guy any any excuse to get violent. Miyagi uses the language as carefully as his hands or arms to ward off blows and gain an advantage. It's refreshing to see a completely original character like this old man. The Karate Kid is a sleeper with a title that gives you the wrong idea. It's one of 1984's best movies. That's he had said cool. earlier in the review that the title set him off and he was expecting it to be bad. So that's what <laughs> yeah. the reference there is. I think that's around that time when a lot of the cheesy martial arts movies are coming out. You know, that oh, yeah. Just, I mean, it was like the ninja craze and all that stuff. So, I mean, you think if it had, the, if it had karate in the title, you pretty much assumed it was going to be a cheesy B movie and people weren't exactly. expecting that. So. Uh, The negative review comes from Jeff Andrew of Time Out, and he writes, Daniel's E.T. comes along in the form of an elderly Okinawan karate master who not only becomes his special secret friend, but also handily teaches him persistence, inner strength, moral values, and karate, which lead him into an apotheosis worthy of Rocky. This is actually director Alvidson's first hit since Rocky, and it has the same mixture of calculation and apparent naivete. It borrows its formula from both East and West with good humor and is completely free of intelligence, discrimination, and originality. No wonder it was a hit. Wow. Yeah. I don't like that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and as I said, I think that's representative of... Uh, you know, it having an 89% at Rotten Tomatoes and a 60% at Metacritic, because I have the feeling, I didn't look at the time on that, uh, but I have the feeling that's probably a more contemporary review than what Ebert wrote, which was a 1984 review. Yeah, I was gonna. I was curious, when when was that review written, I'm wondering? I mean, it's probably within the last 10 years or so, I'm guessing. Uh, 2006 is what it says. Okay, well, that's still, yeah, I mean, obviously 20 years after the movie came out, so... And that's with with a lot of movies. I think I think it makes a difference on when you. I mean, seeing it when it first came out and seeing that experience and seeing the impact it has on people in 1984. It's just it's such a big difference. I mean, the same with like an iconic movie like a Star Wars. Obviously, people who saw that originally in 1977 versus I mean, yes, kids who saw it 20, 30 years later, they still love it, but it's not the same as seeing it when it first came out back in the 70s or 80s. It's such a big difference on I think how you take it. Yeah. Well, and what I found particularly interesting about those two reviews is you have a very different take on Miyagi, because Ebert calls it uh, a completely original character, but Jeff Andrew feels like it's formulaic. And I, I, when I was watching it today, I even thought, you know, this is that wise old man archetype. You know, mm-hmm. this is Yoda. This is uh, uh, Obi-Wan. You know, this is this is that character, but that doesn't detract from the performance that is there you know that it it, it, just because it's that archetype doesn't reduce the character completely because there's still some really powerful moments in this film particularly in marita's performance 
Oh yeah, and it, like you know, mentioned other you mentioned Yoda. Obviously, I've I've heard that comparison so often. You know, one that I've, I'm surprised I don't hear often is he's a lot like Mickey and Rocky. Which I mean, you yes. think people would make that comparison a little more often, being that you know the movies are connected like that. But uh, yeah, he, such an amazing performance. I mean, he's such a good actor anyway, and obviously the role of a lifetime. He was made to play that role, and did it in my opinion to perfection. I mean. I, obviously most most roles you see you're like oh, i could never see anyone else playing that role well, obviously not because it, it's such an iconic piece but you know i remember i'm trying to remember what i read there you know a few other people they thought about for that part and i know one of the people they thought about was an actual martial artist um, who actually ended up training um pat marita a lot of his training for the show you know, for the movie but he didn't speak english well enough <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and wasn't an actor so that's you know one of the main reasons that he didn't get picked anyway but you know he wasn't their first choice which is shocking when you think about <laughs> how how well he did and, and you know a role that he'll be known for as long as people remember that movie he'll be known for that role yeah um i, I do remember in in some of the research i did for this mako was one of the considerations for the role yep um and oh from the kurosawa films Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't remember the name. I should. Yeah, Toshiro Mifu- Toshiro Mifune. Mifuno. Yep, yep. Yeah, it was also a, a consideration, but they were concerned that he carried himself the same as he did in in those movies, where you know he was the samurai, he was the warrior, and that's mm-hmm. not who Miyagi is supposed to be. Yeah, he's a guy that everyone underestimates. They never guess he was this martial arts master, and which is kind of how it should be. I mean, <laughs> you know, a good example is you know my instructor when I whenever I used to when I first met him, he never introduced himself to people as a martial artist. You know, he, he used to paint. He was, he was a painter. He was an artist. He never told people he taught martial arts. That was never what defined him. That was never his full-time job. You know, it's just who he was, but that's not how he, how people knew him unless you actually knew him. So it's funny you mentioned, you mentioned Mako though, because he actually essentially played a very similar character in the Chuck Norris movie Sidekicks. <laughs> he literally played a Miyagi character. Oh um, my God. I haven't thought of that movie yeah, in ages. With, with uh, <laughs> so. uh, what, what's, what's, what's the kid's name that uh, unfortunately took his own life but he's the, brandon the, the, brandon uh yeah from, from sequest from sequest yes <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot I love, believe i can't remember his name all of a sudden i love that movie though it's it's i mean it's, it's obviously chuck and it's jonathan oh, brandis yeah jonathan brandis yeah yeah with him and joe piscopo and it was such yeah. a good movie but yeah he basically played the miyagi character in the same type thing so i, I can kind of see how he might have been a one of the early choices also <laughs> Well, and I, I just, I think Marita, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's the, the way he performs this character, um, just as you said, patient. I mean, the only time you really see him get bent out of shape or lose his patience is when Daniel catches the fly with the chopsticks (laughs) and he walks away muttering about beginner's luck and then puts Daniel to work. But the rest of the time he is, he's just so centered and zen-like and you know i mean when daniel gets hurt at the tournament this is what they've been working for and this was the chance to prove himself and daniel gets hurt and his response is you don't have to fight anymore Mm -hmm. you did what you came here to do which was to participate i do remember the scene when when he first when he had just finished you know training him in karate and he learned the paint the fence and paint the house and when he was trying to get daniel to show him the stuff and he Tried going down to the floor, and Mr. Maggie kind of slapped him on the head. Stand up, stand up. <laughs> I, love I love that it. scene. That's one of my favorite scenes. Stand up. <laughs> and and I still remember the first time I saw that scene 
because now you know, like now you know yes. when when Daniel shows up and he's like, you know, paint the fence or he's like, wash the car and, and wax. And we all know, as I said, wax on, wax off is kind of one of the catchphrases. Mm-hmm. So now you know. But the first time you saw the movie, you were just as clueless as Daniel. Yep. And when that scene plays out, you have the same epiphany that Daniel does, which is, oh, he's been teaching me karate. <laughs> yep. And, he's and just I love... been doing it in a different way. And I, like, I just watched this. Two hours ago, I just watched it again, and the the right when he's standing there and he does that, and he has him show the individuals, and he looks him in the eye, and he's like, "Oh shit!" And he starts throwing all the kicks and punches. I still get chills. I mean, I've seen this probably two hundred times, and that scene still gives me chills. And like, it's all coming together. This is so freaking cool. <laughs> but then there's these these other moments that I I just absolutely love Miyagi for, which is like, um, you know, he plays the hurt feeling card to get his way. <laughs> like when he when he offers them the bonsai trees at the yep. beginning and the mother's like, no, I can't take those. And he's like, no, you hurt my feelings, you know, <laughs> yep. take it. And and then and it's like, oh, that's funny. But then he does the same thing with Daniel later on with the birthday present of the with car. The car yep. Like hurt, take hurt it. Old man feelings. Hurt, yeah. Hurt old man feelings. <laughs> and it's like you're manipulating. Like you're centered in your Zen, but you also know how to push people's buttons but then and then like little moments like when they come back from the beach and they're going up to his truck and the the dudes there have the the uh, uh beer bottles, beer bottles yep. on the truck and you know if, if this was a movie made today the audience would be like oh this is going to be a fight this is just an excuse to get some some extra karate scenes in mm-hmm. and he chops at the bottles and breaks them and daniel's like how did you do this and he's like don't know first time <laughs> and it's so like great. really <laughs> great well, and there's, there is there's a, a naivete to him but i think oh, yeah. it's a skillful skillful naivete well and there's the, the scene in, in karate kid 2 when they're walking through the airport and he sees the picture of sato breaking that board and he's like can you do that don't know never been attacked by a tree you know it's like right. <laughs> his, his answers and his, he's got so many good quotes like that you know it's like you know the probably the biggest two biggest quoted line from the movies are, are probably sweep the leg and wax on wax off but there's so many other good ones <laughs> that, that i Mr. have Miyagi always said <laughs> I have always loved his uh, analogy with walking on the road. Yes. You know, walk on left side safe, walk on right side <laughs> safe, walk in the middle, sooner or later, squish like grape. Yep. And I've, I've always loved that philosophy. So, yeah. And then, you, of course, you get that just absolutely killer moment, uh, the, the drunken Miyagi scene, where you oh. really find out. And, and what I love is they don't hit you over the head with it. Right. It's just... Um, giving the character some backstory and, and, and that explains some of him. Like he was a warrior. He was at war. So no wonder he doesn't want to fight anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And he's, he's had this tragedy and suddenly you realize Daniel is the son he didn't get to have. Well, it's funny about that. that you Like that's kind of the same feeling I got when I saw that the first time, but then there's the scene, you know, after he gets the car and Daniel's like You're the best friend I've ever had. And he's like, you're pretty okay too. It's like he right. won't actually come out and say you're my best friend or you're the son I never. He's like you're pretty okay too. <laughs> so it's like kind of had to throw that little bit of zinger humor in there too, but it's oh, still yeah. still still such a great scene. I'm Megan. I'm RJ. And we host Oh No Lit Class, a comedy literature podcast that tells you all the strange and sexy facts you never knew about the books you had to read in school. Every episode is a fun, 
foul-mouthed spark notes for your ears, filled with author bios, pot summaries, bad impressions, and Megan singing. It's mostly you that sings. No, I sing well, she sings poorly. That's not true. So come listen to us ruin classic literature one book at a time at onolickclass.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh no, lick class. We're for kids. No, we're not. So let's let's stop gushing about Miyagi as much. <laughs> uh, although he's so awesome, but yes. you know I, th- there are other really great performers in this, and oh, yeah. I, you know I mean the the movie rests on uh, Ralph Macchio's shoulders because he's in every scene. There's yep. there is there is not a part of the movie that he's not even when you have like the country club scene where we're not he's not privy to what's going on. Mm-hmm. He's in that scene. He just comes into it later. Yep. Um, and at the time this was filmed, he was 22. He was one of the older members of the cast. The only one who was actually a teenager at the time the movie was filmed was uh, William Zadka. That's crazy. <laughs> and when you watch it today, he looks so young. It's hard to believe that he's one of the oldest people there because he just he still looks so baby and his frame is so small compared to everybody else. And. Uh, it, it's, I think he does a phenomenal job with this. One of my absolute favorite Daniel LaRusso lines comes early in the film when they first arrive in California and the mom is gushing about the, the, the palm trees and her was, you know, do you know what that means? And his response is, you know, yeah, look out for falling coconuts. (laughs) And it's like, that captures the character in one line so well that he, he, he wants to please his mom, but there is some cynicism and sarcasm to this character. Yeah. Oh, he's and he's such a phenomenal. I mean, I think I first saw him probably in The Outsiders before that. So I mean, I already knew he was a phenomenal actor. Right. And it's it's obviously another kind of like the Miyagi one. It's a role that defines him. It's he'll he'll never have another role that he'll be known for. But I mean, he's had other. I mean, he's other great roles, but nothing at that level as Daniel Larusso. No. Well, and like I was reading, I mean, he he cherishes this role too. I mean, I think that's part of the reason he was so willing to come back for. Uh, Cobra Kai mm-hmm. is, you know, he he knows that this is the role that defines him. And I mean, when he spoke at um, at Pat Morita's funeral, you know, he called him my sensei. Mm-hmm. You know, he still has the car that Daniel gets as a gift. They, the producer gave it to him as a gift at the end of the filming, and he still has that car. And he uses and, it in Cobra Kai. <laughs> does he really? <laughs> yep. They they convinced him, and he he let them he let them bring it back. So yeah, I mean, but that's, I mean, I, I think. It's great to see because you really can go one of two ways when you are such a young actor and you get a role as definitive of this is you can you can really embrace it or you can get sickened by it mm-hmm. and and turn your back on it. And it's I, I think it's really nice to see how much he's embraced it and welcomed it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad because I know for a while because he had had other pitches to come back and bring the character back and turned a lot of them down. And the Cobra Kai was the first one where he really felt this could work. I love the idea. I love the concept. I really, and he's, he basically said, if William's in, I'll do it. So it's yeah, but, because they're friends. Yeah. Yeah. But he, <laughs> he had so many other, pit, I know he actually, I, I saw an interview with him like right after Cobra Kai first came out and he talked about one pitch that was actually going to connect it to Rocky. And it was like, you know, his son and Rocky's son or something like that. I'm like, that sounds really stupid. I'm glad you said no. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, I, I would love to have seen another Karate Kid movie with him years ago, but I'm glad they didn't do that one because that would have been horrible. 
Well, and I mean, there's definitely, as we said, the director directed Rocky before this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely, you know, it has that Rocky feel to it, that one scene where Miyagi's finally teaching him to throw a punch. And then once he gets it right, he starts dancing around like a, yep. like a boxer. Yeah. And, you know, of course, Miyagi puts that to an end real quick, <laughs> which also then comes back into play in the tournament. Daniel uses the same move later on. Yep. Oh, and, or, but, the scene, or the scene in the boat when he's teaching about balance. But when do I get to learn how to punch? When learn stay dry and he knocks him into the lake. I mean, it's yeah, just I love that. I love that. But another one, just they the the cast on this was done so perfectly. Same thing. You can never see anyone else playing that part. And I know a lot of people read for it. I've, I've just ever since Cobra Kai came out, all these actors that are on podcasts, you know, on different podcasts and stuff, are like, oh, I read for that part. I read for that part. Like, I'm glad you didn't get it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I just don't. I don't see anyone else. Playing pulling it off as well as him and i mean i think when they did karate kid 3 he was what 27 probably 27 yeah. or 28 and even now it's, it's kind of funny when they filmed the first season of cobra kai he said in one of the first interviews i saw with him he's like you know i'm the age i'm the age now that mr miyagi was when we filmed the original and i'm like oh, wow geez. that's kind of freaky <laughs> yeah yeah and and like i think you know the other cast members were all really stellar uh, you know i mean johnny is also the bad guy you know yeah. there's there's no doubt about it zabka really makes him a jerk especially as like we said the, the country club scene and and you know like the as you said if he had left well enough alone maybe there wouldn't have been the fight on at the halloween night dance um but once that line's been crossed johnny is going to lay into him and, and right. one of the things i really liked both there and at the end of the movie, is that they're not all yes-men in the group, especially Bobby. Yeah, Bobby. Bobby is the one who tries to put a stop to them beating him up on Halloween night. Yep, he's had and enough, Bobby let is, him go. <laughs> and Bobby is the one who's given the orders to, to incapacitate uh, Daniel, and he doesn't want to do it. And he follows his orders, but he immediately is on the ground apologizing. Yep. So that, that gives him some death. And even when Daniel wins the tournament, when he beats Johnny... Johnny's the one who hands him the trophy and says, you know, you're all right. You've, you've proven yourself. Yeah. That's the funny thing too. When you watch like Cobra Kai, that, that part's never brought up in like Cobra Kai. It's, it's like, <laughs> literally it's like they, it's like Johnny's hated him since that day. I'm like, well, you want to congratulate him. You handed him the trophy. So it's, I've always wondered about that part. It's like, that's really surprising, but yeah, no, that would, and I think they did that because at the time I, they probably didn't think it was going to, and they probably thought there wasn't going to be a sequel. They, they didn't know. I mean, with movies, you don't know how it's going to be. And actually, if you, you've you seen Karate Kid 2, the scene at the beginning, you know, with the parking lot with Mr. Right. Miyagi and, and Kreese, that was actually filmed for the ending of Karate Kid 1. Right. And then they saved it when they, you know, decided to hold on to in case they had a sequel. So, which was good. Yeah. Well, and and. Yeah, and I, I, as I said, I think part of the reason I like the second one is it flows so naturally, with the exception of Elizabeth Shue not coming back. And yeah. can you really blame her? She took time off from her studies at Berkeley <laughs> to do this movie. No, yeah. at Harvard. Was it Harvard? Yeah, it was Harvard. She took time off from her studies at Harvard to do this movie. Yep. So then I, you can't really fault her for not coming back for the sequel when she's you know busy being a college student. But I will say her her in this movie is a big part of just my absolute teenage crush on her. You know, this movie and Adventures in Babysitting and a couple others, I loved Elizabeth Shue so much. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, yeah, th- this and then revisiting this again today was like, oh yeah, she was the 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 teenage heart. You know, just that's that's where I was interested. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I think Allie with an eye was many many young kids' teenage crush back then in the eighties. Oh yeah, and she was gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess back back to the future part two, right? Because she took over the role there too. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a. A lot. I mean, she was barely in it, and it was. I'm at, that one. I'm kind of surprised she said yes to because <laughs> that's one where sometimes I forget she was even in it because it was like she was in the beginning for like five minutes, the end for like ten minutes. And that's it. Like that was really. I mean, a little scene in the middle when she sees herself and faints. But I mean, other than that, it's like she was barely in that movie. It was kind of cheesy. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but still enough for me to crush on her. I'll oh yeah, that. obviously, no, <laughs> definitely, but. No, it, she's she's not. She's just a great actress, and and still, I mean, all these people are still working, and you know, people think that Ralph Macchio just didn't do anything after her had kind of kid, but he kept working. He did a lot of plays, yeah, did a lot of stage stuff. He, the movie Crossroads was phenomenal. If people haven't seen that one, that's a really good movie. When he's the you know musician and learning to play guitar and stuff, that's a great movie. Oh, I've not seen that. I'll oh wow, yeah, that out. was uh, that might have actually been before Karate Kid three, possibly. It was mm. late late eighties or really early nineties, I think, is when that came out. But that's a, that's a really good movie. So, but yeah, no, he's he's such a good actor. She's such a good actress, and yeah, it's it never gets well, old. <laughs> well, and and I mean, just a testament to the skill of this cast. Uh, Machio is the only one without an Oscar nomination. <laughs> Um, you know, um, or or win among them. Not not for this movie. The only one who got nominated for this movie was Pat Morita. He right. did get a Best Supporting Actor nomination for The Karate Kid. And but uh, but but all, all the rest of the major players have Oscar nominations, including Zabka. Right. He has a short film nomination. So I mean, it's it's just that's a testament to. I mean, I guess if you put stock in award shows, which I do not not all the time, but you know, I, I think it's a good measure as far as caliber goes most of the time. I used to put um, stock in Dome a lot more often before, but I think they've gotten watered down quite a bit now. <laughs> I mean, it, it used to be I, up until probably ten years ago, any nominee for like Best Picture, I, I'd I'd seen them all, and now it's like right. I haven't heard of half of them. And I'm a movie buff, and I'm like, where are they getting these some of these from? <laughs> I'll give you that. Yeah, the the uh, limited L.A. New York release in order to get an Oscar nomination thing does wear thin with me. I'll admit. Yeah. Now a lot of the time I still enjoy them once I finally can see them, but I would rather see a movie and then hear it was nominated for an Oscar than see it because it was nominated for an Oscar. True. Yep. Because you get those, you know, that get the limited New York L.A. release and then don't get the Oscar nomination, and then they just disappear. Yeah, I got a friend every year who will look for the nominees and make sure he sees all of them, and I'm like. If I haven't seen it by that point, I don't want to. <laughs> so I don't really care just because it was nominated. Even if it wins, I don't. I, there's many Best Picture nom- winners that I've never seen, just because they don't interest me. I I, I, I go to a movie because I want to see it, not because you know it won an award. So now we did not touch upon. You know, we talked about the the sequels mm-hmm. uh, being the good and the bad, and and we talked about Cobra Kai. We did not touch upon the remake. Where do you stand on the remake? So when it, it was a good movie. It wasn't a good Karate Kid movie. I mean, what's funny is, it, if I remember correctly, the United States was the only country that it was actually released as the Karate Kid. Every place else, like in Asia and stuff, it was released as the Kung Fu Kid. It wasn't really considered a remake. Uh, only in the U.S., you know, because, you know, I think Will Smith or whatever bought the rights and all this stuff. And that's why he's a producer on Cobra Kai and everything. But it's, you know. I, I, lo- I, lo- I, I love Jack. Yeah, I, I love Jackie Chan. 
you know, and like I said, it it was good. But uh, you know, I've seen other horrible remakes that are, are not really remakes, but copycat things of the Karate Kid. I mean, there's I wish I could remember the name of it. There's a really bad movie starring Billy Blanks, the Tybo guy. <laughs> oh God! Where, where he plays like a janitor in a school, and she's just getting getting bullied, and, and he literally has the kids like scrubbing the floors in the bathroom and stuff to teach them martial. I'm like, oh my God, this is horrible. So I mean, <laughs> you know. And the new one with like the, you know, the coat on the coat rack thing. It's, I think they were reaching, you know, I, I would have rather seen it done a little more true to the original if they were going to actually remake it. Yeah. I mean, it was good and there was some decent stuff in it, but I I can honestly tell you, I've probably only seen it three times, (laughs) maybe, maybe only two. Uh, It's definitely not one of my favorites. What else do we want to talk about with the Karate Kid before we move into the ending section? What have we missed? Well, let's see here. There's so much, I mean, sometimes the, the they blend they blend with like the first and second and third ones, well, especially the third because the third one also has the All Valley Tournament. So it's like you know trying to remember like which scenes are which and stuff and and everything and and it's, it, there's just there's so many good scenes. I know we talked about the, the the Country Club one already, and and I think pretty much after after the car scene, it goes right into the tournament. I mean, yeah. I, I I do love the scene when uh, Mr. Miyagi steals the black belt. <laughs> when they're, yes, when they're, it's like well, why does it matter? Oh, it's for brown belt above, and he's like he's like oh you spelled this, and he's like grabbing it and handing it to Ali. So I love it. I love that's it. So cool. It's like something like, I would do. <laughs> well, and it's and it's. It's a dishonest moment, but it's a dishonest moment done out of love and making sure that, you know, he, his promise comes true, that he, he got Daniel into the tournament. Yep. <laughs> and it's funny, too, you met, when you kind of talked about Bobby, how he's the good guy. And I, I know you said you hadn't seen Cobra Kai yet, so I don't want to blow too much, but he, he a lot of the original Cobra Kai's come back. Uh, oh, awesome. In, in one of the seasons. And, and Bobby's actually like a priest or a minister in it. So you can kind of see he was the good one in the bunch. <laughs> so it's like it's and. There's other other stuff that comes back to that too, but um, yeah, no, it's it's that the tournament scene and after his first fight when when he gets that point and now he's like you're the best and you hear those those drums and they kick into the Joe Esposito song and oh, <laughs> when I when I when I got my black belt um, when I tested for it I actually had uh, my friend videotape the test for me you know, so some friends could see how that I couldn't be there and I actually um when you uh, pop the DVD and it's got the you're the best. <laughs> <laughs> as an intro thing <laughs> like it's so good Fantastic. oh it's so it's so fun i just it's i love it it's like you said it was made for it was made for you know the rocky and they in instead they used eye of the tiger which was obviously a better choice for that movie right so, yeah but l- let me ask you this so w- which is a better song you're the best from the karate kid or glory of love peter Centuria, karate kid too oh you jesus <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's. Uh, I'm going to two have great to go movies with, and two amazing songs. I'm going to have to go with "Glory of Love." I'm afraid, but yeah, I, mean, that, I love that, that I one. Love def- you're the that best, was a, that was a bigger hit. That's for sure. And yes. obviously, it was definitely a bigger hit. I mean, it's. I, I still have the 45 that I bought when that movie came out. <laughs> so I still have it on vinyl. <laughs> oh wow! And they're completely different songs. I mean, one's a love song, one's a rock, right. a rock song and stuff. But it's yeah, they definitely nailed the soundtracks and. And well, and that was back when Peter Cetera was doing like love ballads every year for, yep. for whatever movie. Exactly. All right. Let's move into the end credits here. We've got a couple of games before we're done. All right. Uh, first up is The Algorithm Says. These. This is a list of movies that various algorithms say you will like because you like The Karate Kid. So this is kind of a lightning round of responses from you. Do you like these movies? Do you not like these movies? Do you not see how the hell they're connected? That kind of thing. <laughs> okay. You've got a weird one. That's that's all I'm going to say. I, I, this was not the list I would have expected. Okay. 
All right. So first up, Rocky. Oh, love it. Yeah. I have never seen a Rocky movie. Are you serious? I, I just dawned on me. I was uh, looking through HBO Max this weekend, and they just added the Rocky collection to HBO Max, and I went, I've never actually seen a Rocky movie. So over the last year, my 14-year-old daughter somehow wanted to watch it. So in the last year to year and a half, we've watched all the Rocky movies and both Creed movies, and she absolutely loved them. <laughs> so oh, good. Her, okay. One of her teachers made a Rocky reference, and she was the only kid that got it, and he was very impressed. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, The Outsiders. Oh, obviously love it, Ralph Macchio. I actually just saw a stage version of that a year ago. A local high school put that on, and I hadn't seen the movie in about five years, and I brought my daughter to see the play, and now she wants to see the movie, so that's we'll be doing that one of these weekends. She's never seen She's read the book, and she's seen the play. She hasn't seen the movie yet. And the problem is a big part of the draw of that movie is looking at who all the cast is, you know, oh, as far as like, wow, and your daughter <laughs> won't appreciate any of that. <laughs> oh, some of them she will. I mean, because like I said, my kids like 80s movies, so she knows who Tom Cruise is. She knows who Patrick Swayze is. She knows who Ralph Macchio is. She knows who Rob Lowe is. I mean, so she'll she'll okay. recognize probably half the cast. Uh, <laughs> all right. Three Ninjas. <sighs> um, <laughs> it's... I. It, I watched it with my kids. I don't think I'd watch it on my own. <laughs> okay, that's fair. But now, when, when you're done with the list, I got one that I got to throw in there. If it's not on the list, if it's not, I'm going to be very surprised. Okay, <laughs> I, I I guarantee you, it's probably not on the list because okay. again, the list the list starts to get weird here. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, Back to the Future. Oh, I love it. One, one, another one of my all time favorites. Yeah, absolutely. Not sure why it's on here, other than yeah. it's an iconic '80s movie. That's about it. Yeah. Teen Wolf. Oh, great. Yeah, Michael J. Fox. Great movie. God, I haven't watched that one. Yeah. Not Teen Wolf 2. Not the Jason Bateman <laughs> one. That one, not, Which, not so much. I've never <laughs> seen the sequel. I've yeah, only yeah. ever seen the first one. I unfortunately have. It's it's okay. But oh, the first one, classic. I, I haven't watched it in probably about 15 years. I don't know if my yeah. kids have ever seen that one, but I might have to dig that one out. We just watched Monster Squad about six months ago. So <laughs> I, I saw that for the first time within the last six months. Nice. So, so I might have, to, might have to dig out Teen Wolf now. <laughs> All right. The Goonies. Love it. Yes, absolutely. All right. Home Alone. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. It's it's funny. I have no idea how these are connected. Yeah, to that, is, that, that is kind of weird. It's funny, though, you mentioned it was, I think it, it was either, I think it was Ebert, but one of them hated that when it came out. And they actually did a, a Siskel and Ebert did a special episode titled Why We Were Wrong About Home Alone. Like a year later, after it was its massive hit and like one of the highest grossing comedies of all time, they actually dedicated a special to why they were wrong. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. And that's what I appreciate. That's part of why I like using Ebert stuff, because he was not afraid to go back and say, yeah, I was wrong about this. And yep. I've, I've used reviews of his in that exact situation where he originally said something bad and then we say, oh, but this is the positive review because he changed his mind. Yeah, I met him. He actually came and spoke in uh, in Fargo, North oh. Dakota a couple years back. And I actually, he talked about his favorite movies of the year. And there's one that I, I was curious because I didn't hear him review it. And I actually stood up and asked him about Eminem's 8 Mile. And he yeah. actually kind of paused. He's like, you know. I actually really enjoyed that movie and thought he did a great job in it. And I was like, whoa. Because he did. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But to hear Roger Ebert say that, I was kind of like, wow. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Jumanji. The original one, yes. The, yes. Remake, the remake I watched with the kids a few times and, and enjoy, but just yes. not the same as Robin Williams. <laughs> I've never shown my kid the original, but we've enjoyed oh. the the, the, re, the new newer chapters. Yeah. Of the, the sequels are fun, but the, the original, you, you, you got to show your kid the original. It's so good. Okay. Hook. Oh, love it. Yes. Another uh, Robin. A lot of Robin Williams ones in there. That's kind of yeah. cool. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's that uh, that one I actually just watched about a year ago with with my daughter. So another great one. I love the the Peter Pan story. All my kids do theater, so anything that's connected with any, any kind of play or anything, we we try to watch the movies too. So gotcha. All right, and then the last one, The Wizard of Oz. Wow, I love the movie, but that's that's <laughs> about the oddest one. <laughs> I know. I told you it's a weird, like I can think of a dozen movies that would be better connected to this, uh, through algorithms. I have no idea how some of these appeared on here. See the one I'm surprised when you mentioned three ninjas, there's a movie in the early nineties called surf ninjas. If you haven't seen it. Okay. I don't know that one. No. So Rob Schneider is in it. Uh, Leslie Nielsen is in it. And one of my favorite martial arts actors, Ernie Reyes Jr. Oh um, yeah. He was, uh, data in the goodies. Nope, nope, no, 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 no. He was in, uh, he was in the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, he, he was the pizza delivery, to yes. pizza delivery guy in the second one. He was actually in one of the suits in the first one. In and the he, first one, right? And yes, he yes, was yes. in the rundown with the Rock. He actually fought the Rock in the rundown. Oh. Um, but I actually might be interviewing him on my podcast. He actually said yes. I just haven't set up a time yet, so he might be one of my podcast guests. I'm excited oh, about that. Yeah, such awesome. a. I actually met him at a karate tournament in Minnesota back in like 1992 or 1993, right around the time Surf Ninjas came out. So <laughs> it's classic cheesy martial arts. Yeah. I think he also had a TV show. He, he had one of the a martial artists, a martial arts type TV show. Actually called Sidekicks. That's, that's, <laughs> yep. I was, I, that's it, it, exactly what I was going to say. It was, it was actually a spinoff. There was a Disney movie called The Last Electric Night. And the movie did so well, they decided to turn the movie into a series and then spin it off. It was actually, he was in it with Gil Gerard, the guy who played yes. uh, B- Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's another great one. I love that movie, or the, the TV series. And there's actually a, a TV, martial arts TV series in the early 90s called Street Justice. If you can find it online, uh, Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, talking about Rocky. He plays a cop and kind of like the, the Gil Gerard character. And this young guy is a teenager, played by Brian Genesee, is this martial artist that helps him on cases and stuff. So it's kind of like the adult version of Sidekicks. <laughs> But yeah, good show. All right. We always end with a pop quiz, uh, four Ooh. multiple choice questions based on the movie. Are you ready? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number one, the bonsai logo sewed onto Daniel's gi came from an unusual source instead of the production designer. Who created the logo? A, actor Ralph Macchio. B, actor Pat Morita. C, director John Alvidson. Or D, writer Robert Mark Kamen. I'm about 80% sure it's it's Mark Kamen. It is not. It oh, came it's from not. Pat Morita. Really? I didn't yeah, know he, that. Okay. He designed that logo. Okay. Uh, which which reminds me, I had this as a note and didn't ask you earlier, because uh, this has uh, kind of one of those Mandela moments to it, this movie. Mm-hmm. What is on Daniel's headband? Going off memory, what is on Daniel's headband? Isn't it a flower? What color? Uh, headband's just black and white, isn't it? It's a well, I, 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 that's close enough. It's a blue yeah. flower. Blue, okay. Um, but there are many people who swear that it was a red rising sun. Really? Yes. Okay. And that's, that's I gotta say, when I was thinking about again, it'd been well years since I'd seen it. I thought it was that as well. And then I read that, I was like, no, it's a red. And then I watched the movie. It's like, no, it's a blue flower. Okay. Nice. All right, sorry. Number two, uh, Martin Cove has an interesting take on his character, the evil sensei Kreese. How does he describe the character? A, the anti-Miyagi. B, a badass karate master. C, Yoda with an attitude. Or D, Han Solo on steroids. Man, these are tough. Um, I would say either A or B. I'm going to go with A. No, he calls him Han Solo on steroids. Really? 
Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see that at all. I don't either. <laughs> okay. Interesting. All right. Number three, the studio argued with director John G. Alvidson about removing a scene that they felt slowed down the pacing of the film. Alvidson felt the scene was too important to let go and eventually won. Uh, what scene was it? A, the Halloween dance scene. B, the first arcade scene. C, the drunk Miyagi scene. Or D, the country club scene. I just think it was the drunk Miyagi scene. It was the drunk Miyagi yeah, scene. I the studio so. wanted to cut it out, and uh, uh, the director says he thinks that scene is what got uh, Pat Morita the Oscar nomination. Oh, I agree completely. <laughs> All right, last one. First time I've ever done a true-false question on here, but Ooh. you're right. Some of these questions were hard. So this is true-false. <laughs> okay. True or false, Chuck Norris was originally offered the role of Kreese, but turned it down because he didn't want to see a karate trainer as a villain. Mm, I'm going to go with true. I'm completely guessing, though. <laughs> no, it's okay. false. Right. Uh, Norris has since said he never was offered the role, but if he had been, that's why he would have declined it. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay, okay. Hey, one other quick trivia note to throw that I was going to mention earlier when you were talking about the writer and the director and everything. One of the producers of the film was actually Jerry Weintraub, who was one of the producers of Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. It was one of oh, the highest really? grossing martial arts movies of all time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, that's... and deservedly so. <laughs> oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> All right, man, where can people find you? What do you want to promote? Uh, the website is just everydaymartialartist.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, but I got the handles like weird because of the number of characters so it's like so i wanted the whole name and it wouldn't let me do that so it's it's e-v-y d-y m-r-t-l artist <laughs> so like every die mortal artist yeah so it's weird but but if you just go to everydaymartialartist.com or on any uh, of the major podcast apps and just search for everyday martial artist um you know, not sure when this episode will air with you but i'm guessing we'll probably be on about five or six episodes by then uh I have some really good guests coming up i have some guests that you know a lot of them if you're into martial arts you might have heard of and there's other ones you haven't i've interviewed like some of my former instructors just about their backgrounds some people that are well known i interviewed a hollywood stuntman who's been in over 700 movies um, oh, who's a, who's like an eighth degree black belt um, interviewed a gentleman who's a, the first American to win gold in the, the Olympics in Taekwondo. Um, so yeah, some, some really good, uh, good background and some, some good fun guests that I've talked to is a guy who fought in UFC number two <laughs> back in like 1994. Holy so, yeah. 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 Nice, nice mixture and everything. Actually uh, um, Ronda Rousey's mom. It's one of my guests. If people are, you know, <laughs> MMA fans, her mom's a five-time national judo champ, CEO of two companies, just an amazing woman. Uh, yeah, so some some really good interviews I, I've, I've managed to build up. I have like twenty-two episodes done, and, and I'm going to be building up some more. Like I said, hopefully, hopefully by the time uh, this airs, I'll have interviewed Ernie Reyes Jr. If that goes well, I'm really looking forward to that one. I'm actually trying to interview Pat Johnson. Who was the um, the head referee in the Karate Kid? Yes, <laughs> yeah, 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 and also did a lot of the choreography and, and training um, for those guys. So I'm I'm hoping I put a request in, and, and my fingers are crossed. I mean, he'd be a fun one to chat with. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you too. Appreciate I that. appreciate it. It was great to revisit this, um, and now I'm going to have to to go down the rest of the rabbit hole and watch the sequels and get into Cobra Kai finally. So thanks for giving me an excuse for that. <laughs> oh, definitely. You definitely got to watch, and we got to talk after you watch Cobra Kai because uh, it, it's it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. 
So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. Share your thoughts about The Karate Kid, or maybe tell me about a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Talnahess on Twitter and Letterboxd, that's T-A-L-N-H-E-S-S, or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter. On Facebook, we're at Have Not Seen This Podcast, or email me at HaveNotSeenThis at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week's episode... I met you on the side of the road. I couldn't have known that from a pair of dog tags you had lying around. I'm Jack Starks. Jack Starks is dead. His body was found New Year's Day, 1993. It's December 26th, Jack. 1992. That's right. This podcast is available through all major podcast sources. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. And if you like World of Warcraft or other Blizzard Entertainment games, be sure to check out my other podcast, Citizens of Azeroth, a World of Warcraft podcast, also available through all major podcast sources. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Brian Doucette for providing this week's conversation. Until next week, I'm Rave Telsh, and this has been Have Not Seen This. Be kind to each other.